Welcome to Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you, and enjoy today's service. Uh, Today we're going to continue on with the secret sauce. And so this has been a big series this whole month and just hearing from different pastors and hearing their different secret sauces. And it's basically, you know, what what helps them to have this longevity of faith? What helps them to just live strong, secret sauce? And everyone's been bringing up some interesting stuff. And so, of course, you know, Pastor Richard kicked it off as Pastor Tristan was talking about this last week. He gave an overview, so I'll give it quick. Rejoice was the first one with Pastor Richard. Pastor Gail said remember, which was so encouraging uh, that day as well. To Pastor Lindsay talked about risk assessment, which was a surprise. I didn't understand. I didn't get that at first, and I got it. Risk assessment, and it makes sense when you hear the message. If these, if you weren't here at any of these that I'm saying, you can go online and look up the archives and watch this because it's worth it. And then uh, Pastor Tristan Kennedy last week, he cheated a little bit. He talked about a combo because he couldn't, you know, bring it down to one thought. And I totally get it. Like one thought? Like there's many sauces, right? But one thought, he said the winning combo is, was vision, teachable, and diet. Now, I'm going to go away from diet today. (laughs) Not that kind of diet. You know, he talked about spiritual diet. But what I want to talk to you about is that sauce. How many love sauce? See, some of you love sauce. Like, I love sauce. And my family knows it. Like, if you cook something and it's good and awesome, it may be great. But I'm really looking for the sauce. Like, on Thanksgiving, how many love the turkey? Okay, good. Now, I don't know if, you, I don't know if you, you think like I think, but, you know, when you have all this and the turkey and then you've got the dressing and then, you know, all of this green bean casserole or whatever you guys do, some cranberry in a can, which is weird, and then all of this stuff, and then they bring out the turkey and, oh, you smell it so good, but you know what I get excited about? There's a bowl. The gravy. You know what I'm talking about? And the gravy, my family will tell you I've said this for years. If you just ask them, what does dad say about gravy? What is gravy? I always say it smiles in a bowl. (laughs) It's it's like, that's what I feel inside when I see it coming to the table. I'm like, ah, there you are. Because I know that the turkey can be good, but it can be great with gravy. And I love the hot sauce, right? I love the hot sauce. I love the sauces. So... This is really speaking to my heart and my passion, sauces. And so I wanted to talk to you a little bit today. You know, and and, uh, one of the things I want to bring about is this. Listen, listen, every good recipe, it has multiple ingredients. And they all complement each other. That's why I'm having such a hard time with finding one sauce, because there's so many things that complement a good life lived in God. But, uh, But thinking about this, a good recipe has the right balance of ingredients, But great recipes also have a process that brings out the flavor. How many grillers do I have in the house? Some of it, you just take time. You take time. Especially smoking some good meats, take time. Because that time is probably one of the best ingredients. So today I want to share with you something. This is very personal. Very personal. Are you ready? 
This is something that I felt to give you, and this is very dear to my heart. Okay, this is my recipe for smoked ribs. Now, if you don't understand how personal this is for me, I absolutely love the process of smoking good ribs. It's like my love language to my family. And I take time to do it. And I, and I had the whole grill. And I get some of you guys have that grill, you know, it feeds in the pellets and you got Bluetooth and you're getting your, I, okay, cool, good. I'm getting there, okay, I'm getting there. I'm talking today about old school where you're filling up the side burner with, with food, with, well, not with food, with the wood. And then you've got the second grill. You know what I'm talking about, guys? Anybody? Ladies? This is, this is old school, okay? So I'm going to give you this recipe. Are you ready? Are you, are you good with this? I'm going to go fast because you can watch this later for archive and take notes if you want, but that's okay. Okay, so smoke ribs. That, okay, put this up here, the picture. Oh. <laughs> I'm salivating. I can't help myself. Smoke ribs. Oh, my Lord. Okay, so here is the thing for good smoke ribs. Listen, starts with preparing the wood. So uh, listen, if you can go out, I've got a guy uh, on the northwest side of Ocala, good old guy, sweetheart. He always gives me some great wood, hickory or apple wood, fresh cut, ready to go, seasoned, ready to go. The evening before, you take the ribs and you coat them with yellow mustard. Trust me, this is a sticking agent for the rub. You want to have a good rub, a seasoning, a rub. So you put the yellow mustard on it, slather it all there. Trust me, you won't taste the mustard later, okay? So you put that on there, and it actually helps to start that whole curing process, not curing process, tenderizing process. So then you put on good uh, rub. Now, what I like, I got a hold of this at uh, the local butcher shop. It's called Bad Byron's Butt Rub. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, if, if you're looking for it, it's got a little picture of a, a cute little pig holding a dish and his, his little hiney sticking out here, you know, all cute. Some of you aren't going to be able to get over that image. But anyway, so you'll always be able to watch this later. But anyway, so it's, it's good stuff. Then you cover the ribs after you put this, this, uh, all of this rub on. You cover the rib. You leave it overnight. Ribs, leave them in the refrigerator overnight. Start the fire the next morning. Maintain a temperature about 200, 225. 225 is the hottest you want to go with this. And so you're going to maintain this for a few hours. Place the racks on the ribs of the smoker evenly because you want to make sure that they get as much smoke as possible, right? Not stacked on each other. Every hour, refresh the wood and spritz the ribs with a sprayer with apple juice and cider, apple cider vinegar mix. That just keeps the juices going and keeps it <sighs> luscious. Anyway, and then after four hours, remove from the grill, place on aluminum foil, enough to be able to cover each rib rack. Then, listen, this is when it gets fun. You apply butter, brown sugar, drizzle with honey, and a splash of apple cider vinegar. You close it back up, and you put it back for an hour and a half on, in the smoker. Now, it's sealed, but now it's cooking. It's really tenderizing. And so all of this stuff is important. So then after that, the last step, after this hour and a half, last step, you take out the ribs, out of the foil. Then you choose your barbecue sauce. Now, here's where it gets interesting because some people, they just like some people, they'll go to a mat for a certain kind of sauce. I get it. I get it. So I'm not even going to tell you the sauce 
the specific sauce that I use, all right? Because somebody's going to be telling me, no, you should have tried such and such. Okay, relax. Do it on your ribs. Okay, so, so you glaze it with barbecue sauce. But listen, have you ever had those ribs that are just too wet? You don't want them wet. You want them caramelized, caramelized. So you put them back on the low heat, low flame, back on the grill, just to caramelize that sauce a little bit. And then you take it off, and you don't serve them right away. You put them on the platter, and then you put them out in front of your family, and you don't let them eat it for 10 minutes. Because you got to let it rest, and you got to let the anticipation build. And then you serve them, and they're good for days. This is, this is flavor down to the bone. Okay? So... There you go. You're welcome. This is a good recipe. Now, some of you guys have great recipes, and it's awesome. We're going to share them all. But interesting thing is this. Delayed gratification. I know this took a process, but delayed gratification, I looked this up. It's the resisting of temptation of immediate pleasure for the hopes of obtaining a more valuable, long-lasting reward. If you're going to spend time on something, take time on this. And this is the way God works in our life as well, too. Now, listen, if you are just too impatient and you want to go out, you want to get that barbecue right now, I just heard on the news that, that McDonald's was bringing back the McRib. And if you want to sit in that drive-thru for one minute, and they're going to give you a slab of Spam with ketchup on it and stick it between bread, and you call that barbecue... You're better than that. This is now church. You're better than that. Some things are worth the time, the time. And so, you know, when I was putting all these notes together, I was just wrestling with, okay, so what's the, what's the overarching theme? What is the thought? What is the, the secret sauce that I have? I shared my notes with my wife. I was reading them to her because, honestly, they were, you know, in different directions. And, uh, and man, I got a little extra secret sauce side thing for you. If you want to help you hear from God, talk to your wife. Amen. That's just a thought. Okay, so I'm telling her this, and she says, you know, I, she says, that's, she said, that's, that's, I'm about to say it, this word. I said, oh, well, oh, this last month or five weeks or so, I've been kind of shifting my hat, and I've been working on the building out front. And, uh, and I just, you know what, here's the thing. You give to God what's in your wheelhouse. So I was out there, tool belt on and doing some stuff and really focused on that. And, uh, and, and you know, there, it, it's been a process. But then, you know, when you see God, like after you've been doing something for a while and then God reveals to you, like, this is why I've had you doing this. And you have that aha moment, like, oh, Ah, God, yeah, you got me again. I get it. That's a good analogy, a great analogy. So my secret sauce is legacy. Legacy building, legacy mentality, legacy. And we already had a series in February about legacy, but I want to take it a little bit different direction of legacy. And today I want to talk about legacy. Here's a definition, something that is passed on. That's very simple, something that is passed on. But it can also take many forms. Legacy may be one's faith or ethics or core values. Legacy may be uh, monetary or your assets. Legacy may come from one's character, reputation, and the life you lead, a setting of example for others to guide their futures. 
legacy, living legacy. So what legacy is not, it's not about living in the moment for yourself, getting what you want right now. Because I want that barbecue, so I'm going to debase myself with McDonald's drive through <laughs> You're better than that. Anyway, so it's the difference between being a consumer and being an investor. That's legacy. Okay, listen. Legacy, a legacy mentality, for me, it helps me frame my life. It helps in so many different ways. It helps me bring the decisions and actions, my decisions and actions into context. Right? And you'll see where I'm going with this in a little bit. It also helps me fend off this myopic discouragement. You know what I'm talking about? That real short-sighted kind of seeing things only in the moment and not seeing them in the broader picture. And how that sometimes the enemy really uses that to create a discouragement. Because you start asking questions about like, is this worth it? Why am I going through all this? The price is too high. You know, it, it gets you to the point where that discouragement sets in. Then you start entertaining toxic thoughts of, well, you know what? My friends and my family, they seem to be doing so much better and they're trying a lot less hard than I am in God. And look at what, you know, all these kind of thoughts kind of wonder. And if you go down that road, it's never healthy. It's never healthy, but it's always because we're looking at this moment, looking at this moment and not seeing the broader picture. Here's the thought. I'm committed to play the long game. How about you? I'm committed to play the long game. And there are times in my life where I feel like I'm doing things like in, in Matthew 6, it really speaks to me a lot about, you know, how Jesus told his disciples, this is how you give. When you give in charitable gifts, do it just on secret. Don't be like, you know, throwing yourself a parade. Hey, look at me, honey. I did the dishes. <laughs> right? Because I know she's going to tell me all the things that she did today that I didn't throw her a parade. So here's the thought like, Rather than just getting that moment, that pat on the back, that attaboy in the moment, there's so many things that I love to do in stealth for the kingdom of God, for other people. So many things I like to do in stealth because I don't want the affirmation, the accolades, the attaboy at the moment because Jesus said, you know what, for those that do it with a motive to be seen, they've already got their reward. That's the McRib. They already got the reward. I don't want that. I feel like there's times where I can do things in God for the sake, for the right reason. Take it and just pitch it into the future, way out there. Like, I don't want to even, look, I'm cool not seeing the reward. I know I will see it because God is a rewarder. So it's, it's, it's out there. It's, it's out there and it's coming to me. But I'm not looking to spend it right now. I'm not a consumer. I'm an investor. You do this with people's lives as well, too. You're investing in their lives. And some of the great things you do, you're not just doing something to get them to respond right away. That's how you get disappointed sometimes. Because they might not be at the place where they can respond appropriately. I love you. Oh, you didn't love me back. Right. No, no, no. We're loving. We're even loving our enemies. Throw it out there. Because there will be a seed inside of them at some point. It could be a decade away. could be longer that they respond to that. That's reward. That's reward from God. Good stuff, good stuff, good stuff. 
So here's another thought along this line. I'm going to tie this in because I saw another theme moving, and it has to still do with legacy. But there is an analogy that is used over and over in the scripture about our life of faith being a race that we run. And so this is important. I'm going to read to you this, this scripture here, and we're going to take a lot out of this. But it's in Hebrews 12, 1 through 3. It says this, as for us, we have all these great witnesses who encircle us like clouds. So we must let go of every wound that pierced us and sin that we so easily fall into. What are the two things that hinder your running? Personal pain that you don't get over. And sin that you're choosing to disobey and it's creating something negative in your life. Okay, these two things. Let us let go of those. Then we will be able to run life's marathon race with passion and determination. For the path has already been marked out for us. That's important. I'm going to get back to it in a second. We look away from the natural realm and we fasten our gaze on Jesus who birthed faith within us and who leads us forward into faith's perfection. Listen to this. His example is this, because his heart was focused on the joy of knowing, see that way out ahead, for the joy of knowing that you would be his, he endured the agony of the cross and uh, conquered its humiliation. And now he seeks exalted at the right hand of the throne of God. So consider carefully Everybody listening to me right now, consider this carefully, how Jesus faced such intense opposition from sinners who opposed their own souls so that you won't become worn down and cave in under life's pressures. So look at what Jesus did and see how he thought and see he endured all of this stuff in the moment for the future. He saw you. Man, that's what blows me away. He saw me. <laughs> Man, he saw me. He was hanging on the cross being just mocked and beaten, and he did it because he saw me. That just blows me away. So here are the ingredients that I want to bring out in this legacy sauce that you can find in this analogy, this race analogy. The first point is, this first ingredient, the race is ancient and overarching. What I mean by this, the race being ancient, it's simply this. We are, listen, the scripture says, we were surrounded by a great gathering of witnesses, people that have run before you in faith, in history. They've already run this before you. Whatever you've gone through, I'm sure you can find people that have gone through this, maybe multiple times what you're dealing with. Maybe you're facing an incredible vision of faith that's so big. It's so inspiring, but it's so daunting because it's so big. Man, you can find people throughout the word that have been at that same place, right? They're surrounding you like witnesses encouraging you on. And this race course has already been marked out before us. Now, listen, when we say run the race, we typically, and you may be doing this right now, we typically read that in a self-absorbed, self-focused thought. My race. 
Run the race. And you, you, typically, you, you, just, you automatically trip to my race. Run my race. Run my race. And in your mind, you're thinking, my race, my race. So if I'm going to run my race, that's my, my calling of God, my responsibility. It's, it's what I'm going to do with the rest of my life till I go to heaven. That's, that's my race. And guess what? That's good, but that's not the whole picture. Because the race is eternal and overarching. It happened way back before Genesis and the heart of God. And this race has been going on generations. And you're just one lap. We're just one lap of this marathon relay, and it goes on and on. But here's the thing that makes me excited. That gives me this perspective that I'm participating in the race eternally bigger than my life. So let me just bring it back a little bit. And you're obeying, obeying, and running your race. Get over yourself. It's not all about you. It's not all about my comfort, my time, my fulfillment. Okay? God can fulfill you, but there's going to be times where you're going to be paying the price. And if you bought into the fact that every day is supposed to be daisies and roses and Disney music and birds chirping, and I'm just so fulfilled in Jesus. I'm fulfilled in God. I'm just fulfilled in what I'm doing. Not every day. I'm sorry. This is not, you know, this is not popular. I want the good sauce, Pastor. I'm giving you the reality of it. Because here's the thing. If you shift your mentality, then you can be like Paul, writing beautiful psalms out of a prison cell abounding with love and joy and talking about, hey, thank God I'm here. Even the, even the, uh, the, the, the sergeants and the, the jail uh, attendants and all these, even they're starting to hear the message. Hey, how exciting is that? I'm happy I'm here. Right? It's, it's greater. It's bigger. It's bigger. Here's the next point in that whole thought. This race is a relay. Let me read 2 Timothy 2.2 to you. It says this, uh, you have heard me teach these things, this is Paul, that you have confirmed by many reliable witnesses. Now teach these truths to other trustworthy people who will be able to pass them on to others. Right. So it didn't stop at Paul saying, oh, thank God I delivered a message. Woo, I'm done. What a good Sunday. Whew. No, that was invested. It was a living word that needs to continue to live and continue to multiply. And so here's the thing that I want to I talk about. I got this uh, relay baton just as, a, as an analogy just to show you, give you a visual. But imagine this relay baton. When you've seen it happen, you see there's so many things that happen in this race. They're running. One is finishing the lap, but then there's an overlap time in that because they're running and they're, they're keeping pace with each other for a moment. And then there's a passing off. And then the next one continues to run. Remember, this is a marathon race that is eternal and overarching, generations and generations. And so there's been a passing off of the baton. And, and listen, in the light of this, there's been different generations that have affected and touched this baton. How many people have touched this baton of this race of faith? How many? How many? You're thinking in terms of, well, yeah, you know, my grandmother... She prayed some prayers. My great-grandmother, I've got quite a story of a great-grandmother praying some prayers that I didn't even find out till I was serving God. I was able to hear the stories and then go back and was able to get her Bible and realize there were things that she marked and wrote in margins and highlighted that were some of my life messages 
that she prayed in her life. And I met her one time when I was a kid. One time. Passing of a baton. Right? But you may be thinking, okay, well, my, my father, my mother, my, my parents, my great-grandparents. No, no. I'm talking about, let's go back a little bit. What about Martin Luther? Right. Protestant Reformation. What, what about some people that, that you might not know? John Knox. Right. William Booth. Amy Simple McPherson. Yep. I'm going to do church history all the way. Let's go back. Calvin. What about Calvinism? Calvin, some of this stuff. Some of this stuff you're like, well, what are you talking about? You already believe it. Because <laughs> they wrote. They prayed it in. They wrote it. And you believe some of these, these creeds of faith. You believe it already. Because someone run a, run a lap and then they passed it on. I want to give him even further back. This same baton has been touched. This baton of faith has been touched by the apostles. Apostle Paul. It was handed off, handed off, handed off, handed off, and now you're running with it. You're touching the message. Not only that, there's other disciples. Wait a minute. Then there was Jesus. Awesome. Jesus, the pinnacle of what it's all about. But you know what? Not even that. Let's go back. What about Moses? What about Abraham, the father of faith? He touched the same baton of faith. And when you are saying, I, I will, I'll run, I'll run for God. I'm going to run for God. Oh, Lord, I, I give you my life. You, you got my life. It's, it's all yours. I want to run this race. Okay, here's the baton. But realize it didn't start with you. Right. Realize it's not just about you, and it didn't start with you, and it doesn't end with you. Do you see the magnitude of this? Then you start realizing, oh, so when times get hard, I don't have the right to say, eh, I quit. It'd be easier just, you know. Go and be a barista. I don't know how they do what they do. I couldn't. I just couldn't imagine. They're throwing your orders at me. I'd be like, coffee, creamer, right? You know? But, but think of it. At times when you want to quit, there's something inside of you. If legacy is calling you saying, no, you can't quit this race. Oh, I don't feel like it. It doesn't matter what you feel like. This is so important for you and for those that are depending on you. Think of this way. Each life run well advanced our position in this race. Others will be propelled further by the portion that you run. Isn't that awesome? That's what I feel sometimes in the gravity of my calling. That I have other people that are relying on me. Number Three, the next one that I want to bring out, the last ingredient in this thought, the finish line is beyond our lifetime. It doesn't end when your body ends. It keeps going, your finish line. Let me just read this. It says Psalms, or I'm sorry, sorry uh, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 14. Again, Paul saying this, I admit that I haven't yet attained the absolute fullness of what I'm pursuing. I haven't arrived, guys. I'm not there yet. I'm still learning. But I run with passion into the abundance so that I may reach the purpose that Jesus Christ has called me to fulfill and wants me to discover. I don't depend on my own strength to accomplishment, accomplish this. However, I do have one compelling focus. I forget all of the past as I fasten, hear that? Fasten my heart. Fasten my heart to the future instead. You see that? I run straight for the divine invitation of reaching the heavenly goal. 
and gaining the victory prize through the anointing of Jesus. Another translation says, I press for the upward call. I press, I press, I press. I keep, I keep running. I press for the upward call. I'm forgetting what's behind me. I'm already saying that I haven't attained everything. I'm okay. Here I get it. And in Christ, I'm still learning. I'm still open. I'm still teachable. Pastor Tristan, I'm still teachable. But I forget what's behind and I move forward. I keep pressing. I, I focus my eyes on him. He's the target. He's the finish line. So good. I read recently this quote and it was just so powerful. It's, it's, it puts things in perspective. It says, it's not about where I'll be in a few decades. It's about where I'll be in a few millennia. That's way more important. Eternal perspective determines the true value of everything in your life. It really does. Because if you're expending your life on temporal things, make rib. <laughs> temporal things, rather than eternal things. It's a tragedy that even some of our relationships are suffering and, and those relationships have eternal value while we're spending our time pursuing things that will pass. It's okay to have things, but I'm just telling you, just guard your heart. C.S. Lewis said, this, said it this way. He said, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for this present world were precisely those who thought most of the next. Their heart was there. Their heart, were, their, their focus was, was steadfast. And because of that, that determined this life. So, this legacy sauce, I want to read it again, legacy sauce, because I see it so much in the writings of, of Paul in the New Testament. But this legacy sauce, this is what it sounds like. Okay, listen to this. This is what it sounds like in character and in tone. Second uh, Timothy 4, verse 6 through 8. And now the time is fast approaching for my release from this life, and I am ready to be offered as a sacrifice. I have fought an excellent fight. I have finished the full course that I have, and I've kept my heart full of faith. He knew that his lap was coming around, and he was already passing it off, already passing it off, but he knew his lap was coming around and finishing. Then he says, there's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. There's a crown of righteousness waiting in heaven for me. Maybe you forgot that, that all of this world and everything that you're going through in this time, the greater reward isn't here. The greater reward is there. Are you all right with this? I'm not talking about be so heavenly minded. You're no earthly good. You hear that story all the time. But the point is we've taken that to the far extreme and now we're looking at now rather than then. We need to look at then to bring in context or now and live with passion. Do you see this? So he says, I've kept my heart full of faith. There's a crown of righteousness waiting for me in heaven. I know that my Lord will reward me on that day of righteous judgment. Listen, and this crown is not only waiting for me, but for you and all who long for his, his unveiling. This eternal prize for running the race, it's here it's for everybody. Do you think about that sometimes? I mean, I got many years still left here. Many, 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 many. I believe, many, many. But the point is, regardless of, of however many, man, I've got an eternity waiting for me. 
And I've got reward there because I know why. Why, why? Because I threw it there. Sometimes when I've been like, you know, just weary. Recently. <laughs> been weary and then just had this thought drop in my heart. You know, God's a rewarder. Oh, yeah, you saw that. You saw it. Nobody else saw it. You saw it. That's all I need. I don't need anybody else to see it. But if you saw it, we're good. We're good. And I'll keep on moving, keep on doing what I need to do. Because that's what it's all about. But thinking about this baton, Pastor Lindsay, can you help me? Three seconds, two seconds, one. Here we go. <laughs> Talk about the timing of this. All right. I want to pray for you. Because maybe this is a different concept. Maybe you've been at the point where you've been like, you know, yeah, I think I've been running my own race. But that's not the race. And I want to run the race. Tell me more. How? People come to Jesus in so many different descriptions of how they're calling out to God. Does that make sense? Sometimes it's as simple as, God, if you're there, show me. Other times is, Jesus, I know that you died on the cross for me, that you started this faith that I can believe in. So I choose to follow you. Jesus called his disciples. He's walking along, held out the baton, said, hey, follow me. Follow me? Hey, follow me. What did they do? Yes, I'll follow you. It's that simple, but the rest of your life you run with this reality that you're buying into something that's eternal, that you're running and carrying and passing on. Isn't that awesome? So I'm telling you, your faith is incredible. It's amazing. But as you've been off track and you find like you've been running this side road, you need to be able to get back on. I want to pray for you right now. So just close your eyes right now and just pray with me with this time. Lord, yeah, it's all worth it. It's all worth it. You are a rewarder, Jesus, and I want to run your race. Just say it out of your heart. I want to run your race, Lord. Yeah, I want to run your race. I want to run the lap that you destined me to run. And I want to pass on this baton faithfully in every way, in every conversation, in every influence that I have in my life. I want to pass this on and multiply this race in other people's lives. And Jesus, we just acknowledge you as King and Lord of our lives, the master of ceremonies in this race. Jesus, be Lord of our lives and reveal to us your full purpose in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us at Now Church. For the latest updates, visit us at nowchurch.com, including live or on-demand video, event registration, online giving, and much more. And don't forget to follow Now Church on our social media platforms, including Facebook and Instagram. And please use the hashtag NowChurch. Thank you.